So welcome to Forzin Noir, the podcast made by Forzin Freiburg and hosted here at Radio Dreieckland at the free radio station in Freiburg. Today I have a guest from Brussels. Sarah Collins is connected to us via Skype. Hi, Sarah. Hi, how are you? Hi, very good. Thanks for taking your time to be with us in this program today. Um, even though a lot of our listeners probably know you from the several festivals you have been teaching, uh, teaching alone, teaching with other uh, partners, I would like you to introduce you to those few who have not had the chance to meet you or who have not had the time to speak to you because... Most of the time on festivals, we are all really busy and we never have enough time to talk to each other. So please introduce to yourself. Okay, so um, my name is Sarah Colling. So we'll start from the start. And um, I'm originally British, but I've been living in, uh, in Brussels now for ooh, almost five years. And I've been teaching here for three and a half years now. So uh, I teach the regular classes here, here in Brussels. Uh, and as you mentioned, I've been uh, in a number of festivals recently, um, particularly teaching either on my own or with Ricardo Ambrosio. Um, but I've also had the pleasure of accompanying Bruno Prado, I've been accompanying uh, Enrique Matos uh, and a number of other people. So I've been very lucky to be uh, in a number of places recently. So you're teaching since three and a half years, more or less. Um, How, like, before you started teaching, how did you get into, into Fohan? Well, how did you get in contact with Fohan as a British person okay. living in Brussels? <laughs> <laughs> so actually, my meeting with Fohan didn't take place in Brussels, uh, but actually in Milan. So I was living in, in Italy uh, before coming to Brussels. And I was already a, a salsa dancer, uh, a bit of bachata and, and so on. And I was really lucky where I started dancing salsa is that it had this community feel that we all associate with Fohan. And then I moved to Milan and it just didn't click. For whatever reason, I didn't meet the right people. The atmosphere was different. And so I still wanted to be dancing, but salsa wasn't working for me. And it was there that I had a Brazilian friend who said, I'm going to go to a forho class, you know, come with me. And so I Googled it a bit. And as so many people do when they, when they first discover forho, I thought, ah, looks a bit like salsa. I'll be fine. Let's give it a go. And I went and I loved it. I loved the way that people welcomed me. Um, it was just a really cozy, friendly group uh, with a real social community aspect, uh, which was what I was missing in the salsa world. And it really, it was, um, there's an expression in, in French, which is a lightning bolt. It was like a lightning bolt. It was like, I want to do this. This is cool. So I started going to festivals um, and then when I ended up in Brussels, I knew that there needs to be for her in Brussels. And that, then you took it into your own hands, more or less. With, together with so, Ricardo Ambrosio, you were sort of working on it from the beginning or how was yeah, it to start so in Brussels? The way it started was when I first arrived, there was very, very little. Um, Thiago Lima from Paris had organized a party in, I think, my first or second month here. Um, and then a couple of months later, he started organizing for Ricardo uh, a number of workshops. And so I was all enthusiastic and I went along and offered to help out. And from there, it became doing the registrations. It became taking the money. It became doing the translations, partnering Ricardo. Um, and it would have been that would have been early 2014. Um, and then it was October 2014. Um that I decided to, to start teaching um, on my own, but with Ricardo's 
support um, and he was really key in those first few months uh, we trained a lot together uh, and I learned a huge huge amount from him that's like uh, a lot of people get dragged into Fahar you sort of I need Fahar so I try out to help a little bit and in the end you turn up and do everything <laughs> at the same well, time <laughs> <laughs> I was very lucky in that um, and you know we still work very well together with with Ricardo and Tiago but the reality is that I'm the person that's present in Brussels week in week out uh, and so yes there's a, a significant amount that's um, that comes to me but in recent years I've in recent years in the last six months or so we've been putting together a team uh, here in Brussels of local people uh, so that the four can continue even when I'm not uh, here in Brussels because with the different events there are a number of weekends that I'm just simply not available And so they've run their first workshop without me. They've run their first party without me. Uh, and they're doing really well. So I'm, I'm very proud of them. This is really cool. That's a process we are going through here in Freiburg as well, continuously, basically. But um, we have a specific uh, topic we would like to talk about. That's why uh, we made this meeting. That's why we are doing this workshop. And that is um, mm -hmm. the participatory meeting on for Hall Pedagogy. Pedag yes. How do you spell that in English? How do you speak that in English? Pedagogy? Pedagogy. Pedagogy. Okay, pedagogy. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, and the second one just happened in Marseille. And the first one was, I think, in August 2017. And I've just seen the announcements, basically, but I didn't uh -huh. have the opportunity to participate and nor to talk in deep uh, with a lot of people who have participated or with some, with anyone who participated. Because there are not a lot of people who participate, as I've seen. The number of participants is mm. limited. But maybe you will start with the idea, like what is what is what brought you... First, maybe explain what the proposal is in a few sentences, mm -hmm. and then we go to how did you got the idea, or who started with the idea, where does it actually come from? Absolutely. So, uh, first of all, it's really not a very catchy name in English, but we actually prepared it in Portuguese and French. So... We're going to call it the Encontro Pedagogico, uh, the pedagogical meeting, if you like. Um, and I'm going to do it actually in reverse order, if that's okay, because I think by explaining where the idea came from, it will make a bit more sense about what it is. Um, this is something that I um, started preparing with Emily Garcia. So Emily's based in Marseille and she's a Foja teacher there. And we met in 2016. And we really clicked uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, we've also become very good friends. But we both felt that, you know, in our, our job as, as Foja teachers, that we were quite isolated. And as I mentioned, I'm very lucky to have uh, connections with Ricardo and we work together in festivals. But here in Brussels, I'm on my own. Um, and the same for Emily in Marseille. And so we wanted to, to find a way to be able to connect more with other teachers. Uh, and it was our focus was particularly on the aspects of teaching, of pedagogy, because, you know, festivals are a, a great place to meet other teachers, to follow other classes. Um, but they're really focused on technique. You know, how do we dance? How do we improve our dance technique? Which is really important. But in those in festivals, there's not necessarily the space for more in-depth exchanges about how we teach, not what we teach necessarily, although that's also relevant, but how do we transmit it? And we really felt this, this lack. Uh, and so the idea was born to create uh, a meeting where the focus is not on dance, or not on dance technique, let's say, but it's really on how do we teach dance? 
what do we consider important uh, for teaching for whole? Uh, what do we want to transmit? What are our objectives? What are the tools we can use? Um, and so from there, we we had a lot of Skype brainstorming sessions <laughs> and we came up uh, with the idea of creating the Encontro. And it was really important for us that this was uh, not uh, a traditional training session, but an exchange. So the idea is that, you know, teachers come together and we are we all have experiences from our regular classes. And it was about sharing those experiences, sharing what works well, sharing what we're having difficulty with and using the power of, of several brains all together uh, to try and, um, and get better. So the first meeting happened in August 2017 and it was in Brussels? Correct, yes. The first oh. one was in Brussels. Okay, so the, the two... And the second one just now was Marseille. Okay, so you basically brought it to your both home bases, um, the, first, the, two, the two meetings. Um, maybe one thing to clarify. I have been talking mm -hmm. to other teachers and I've heard interviews and there is a tendency with some teachers, especially Brazilian ones, I think, who mm -hmm. are sort of trying to separate... Real teachers who mm -hmm. know for all from Brazil and most and most of them have went to dance schools as well, uh, learning for all, mm -hmm. learning teaching and something. And they they sometimes try to make a separation between these kind of teachers and teachers who basically just um, help out in their local communities to teach a little bit for all in order to keep the thing going, uh, do some basic classes or whatever, do it more out of a necessity, a necessity because they're good dancers mm -hmm. and they try to help the others to improve a little bit. Uh, this meeting, it, does it make this difference between the two types of teachers? Says, or is it basically everyone who is teaching for her, for whatever reason, is considered a teacher? Yeah, it, it's definitely your, your last sentence there. So we worked on the basis that, yes, probably most people that will be interested will be regular teachers, but we wanted to make it as open uh, as possible. Uh, and in fact, we, we wrote uh, a list of values on which we wanted to base the Encontro, one of which is the exchange is open to all teachers. Uh, so regardless of whether you've just started, whether you have 20 years experience, whether you have three or four years of experience, as is our case. And that's really shown in the profiles of the people that have attended so far. So we had five people at the first one, and again, we should have had five people at the second one. But with the wonderful snowstorm that hit Europe, uh, one person was unable to attend because the flight was cancelled. And in that group, we've had uh, a teacher with, I think, probably close to 15 years of experience, Brazilian, trained in Brazil, exactly the first profile that you, that you mentioned. Uh, you have Emily and myself, who are both relatively young, for her teachers, um, doing it for three or four years now. We had someone attend who was just starting to think about maybe teaching on her own, having been an assistant uh, to a, another teacher for a while. We've had someone who is an assistant, um, but is also a, a sports teacher in a school in her real life, if you like. So the profiles have been really varied, and that's actually been a, a really strong point because it's brought lots of different opinions, uh, which has really enriched the, the exchanges we've been able to have. So you were limiting the participants to 10 teachers, but in fact, it was mm. not full, let's say, like the, the storm no, of interest no, no. is not so big so far. 
Well, I think saying the interest is not so big. I don't know. You might be right. But we've had a number of uh, uh, people who would have liked to have come, but they were working that weekend. Uh, they were unable to, to travel. Um, they had personal commitments in one case. So there's definitely more people interested than have been participating. Um, and that's one of the things as a dance teacher, you know, our weekends are work times, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it's normal that not everyone who would be maybe interested in attending is able to. But our focus, if you like, is is not to fill up, you know, the 10 places that we've made available. Um, we've had really, really good exchanges being four or five people. And we've actually said if there were many more of us, it would really have an impact on the quality. Um, so we're, we've been delighted with it, regardless of, you know, this magic number of 10 places. That's not been our objective. Okay. And so that, but that as well would uh, encourage or would uh, like, Nihiling, how do you say that? Well, uh, makes it makes it uh, reasonable to maybe think about a third encounter because other people, like some people, haven't been able to participate because of work reasons or whatever date, mm -hmm. location, and so on. Um, but maybe let's talk about the maybe follow up uh, event at the end of the program. Let's now okay. get more into the schedule. Like, how can we imagine? Uh, this exchange, like what has happened? It's happening from Friday to Sunday. Everyone arrives at what time? What do you do? How much do you work? How much do you uh -huh. uh, enjoy yourself? Or I don't know, maybe rock us through a little bit the what happened on the weekend. Okay. So I'm going to go back to the um, this list of values that I mentioned, because I think that helps to understand what it is we're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. we, we wrote five values. The first is that a teacher is a lifelong student. The second is the one that I already mentioned, that the exchange is open to all teachers, anyone teaching for her. The third one is that participants play an active role and can make proposals. And so this will explain a little bit uh, about the program and how it works, which I'll tell you in a second. The fourth one, uh, I think, goes without saying, but it was respect for other people's opinions. We're not coming to this encontro to agree Our objective is not to, to create some sort of universal truth of this is the right way to, to do something. It's really to bring a diversity of opinions together. Um, and in order for that to be possible, we need to make sure that we're respecting other people, even if we don't agree with them. And the final point is that it's a not-for-profit initiative. So there's no cost to participate, but there's also no profit at the end of it. We uh, club together if we need to rent a room or to cover food costs, then everyone contributes. Um, and that's where the money starts and finishes. <laughs> and so regarding the program, the way we've done it the previous two times is that we've met on Friday. Um, and because some people teach on Thursday nights, we've tried to meet sort of midday on Thursday. So that there's been time for people to arrive. Um, and in fact, the first one, we were met slightly later. So we had dinner together for the first one. And the Friday is really about getting to know each other, um, who are we, why are we there, and, and building some connections with other teachers. And then on the Saturday, we've started work. And the way the schedule works is, is that each person who attends is going to lead a session. Okay, And we've deliberately called them sessions. They're not classes. They're not workshops. They are a session of exchange. And so the idea is that it's participatory. So the person who is leading it is trying to work with the other participants to create something together, okay? It's not a, a traditional classroom where the teacher 
stands up at the front. It's a session leader and we work together. And each person's going to choose a topic uh, of their choice. Um, and in some cases, that's been a topic that the person feels very confident in, something that they, they enjoy working on, that they've studied and that they'd like to share with the group to improve it further. And in other cases, it's been uh, a topic where the person has had questions and therefore has wanted to take advantage of the session to put something on the table and explore it and, and grow together with the group. So just to give you um, some ideas, maybe I can I can tell you some of the topics that we've uh, that we've covered so far. Um, very, very appropriately in the first uh, encontro, we talked about the beginnings. So how do you start a class or how do you start a workshop? How do you start an initiation? How do you start your year? How do you start uh, a new trimester? Um, because those moments are really important for setting the scene of what people can expect. So that was one topic. We talked about posture. How do we integrate that into our classes? Um, what techniques do we have and so on? We've had a session on theatre games. So how to bring the kind of interactive activities that you'll find in a lot of theatre or improvisation uh, contexts into the world of Foho. Uh, and that was great for discussing things like creativity, interaction, uh, connection, uh, which I think we'll all agree is a real strong point of Foho. It's a dance where we really connect and interact with our partner. We're not passive, um, passively on the dance floor looking somewhere else. And, and what is an example of like theater in, in Foho, bringing theater pedagogy here? So this was in the first one. What uh -huh. example can I give you? Um, there was, it's very difficult, these ones. These were ones where we really needed to be in person so that we could we could show you. One thing you could imagine, um, there's a children's game uh, whereby you have someone uh, in the middle of a circle and then everyone else around the outside and they have something that makes noise on the floor next to them in the middle. So a set of keys or a bell or something like that. And the people from around the outside, when you're children, you're trying to creep into the middle of the circle without the person in the middle who is blindfolded hearing you and pointing at you. Do you know the game I mean? I can imagine. I, I don't, you can imagine. I've never done it, but I, it's quite uh, imaginary, like you explained it. Okay. You ask difficult questions because this was really one way you want to be active <laughs> and present in person. Yeah. And so the idea for the children is to get hold of the noisy objects uh -huh. next to the person in the middle. And you can adapt that to a theatre context, to a theatre, sorry, to a foho context. Um, for example, the people around the edge need to reach the noisy object, but using one of the basic steps. And so, you know, this is a fun way for people to connect with the music, to connect with the rhythm and to try the different basic steps. It's a fun way to practice displacement. Okay. How do you move around the dance floor? Uh -huh. And not bouncing um, around like with a lot of noise. <laughs> that's cool. Sorry, yeah. say that again? Yeah, and bouncing around with a lot of noise, sort of. That's cool. <laughs> and that's exactly what I was going to say. You know, we want to be dancing in a way that's smooth and fluid. And so we don't want to have that clumsy clunk, clunk, clunk on the floor of your feet uh, all of the time. So it's a fun way of, of bringing uh, a different energy uh, to an exercise. And it's also... Um, creates an energy within the circle, within the group. Uh, and again, I think we'd all agree that Foho 
as a dance where there's a lot of community, there's a lot of group empathy and feeling. And so that's a way to bring that into the classroom rather than working purely in, in pairs. And, so, voila. <laughs> and that's an, like this example was made in order to show other teachers how to bring theater to, into their classes and so they could experience I, it, basically. Yeah, I think okay. this example, uh, so the way the session worked was the guy that was leading it um, gave us a few proposals. And then we started to work together to imagine other uh, activities that we could adapt for a whole context. Um, and so I think this was one that one of the participants participants proposed uh, as a variation on a childhood game um, to work on things that we consider important in a different way. Cool, cool. Um, okay, but I'm uh, sorry, I interrupted your list of topics you were uh, yes, talking so, to. <laughs> so voila, so we had theatre games, uh, we had uh, very simply planning a class, you know, what do we think about when we're planning a class? We talked about um, how do we work with the people that help us in class that was one of the the topics from this edition so I think a lot of people uh, who are teaching for her often have maybe one student or two or three students or even a, a partner that they work with in class and so this session was about how do we work with those people what do we expect from them what do we communicate to them what just happens by intuition and then from that point how can we improve that relationship Because anyone that's in class with us um, in front of the group is part of, uh, will contribute to, to the energy, to the feeling, uh, to the information that people receive. Um, so that was a very interesting one. We talked about this time as well uh, in Marseille about how do we revise movements? And that's something that I hear a lot from, from students is that they'll attend a class, be it a workshop or a regular class. And then when they hit the dance floor, their mind goes blank. And so that class was really about what can we do with it, that class, that session, sorry, was really what, we, what can we do in a classroom in order to help people absorb the content, revise it, remember what they know, and apply it more easily and more fluidly when they're on the dance floor. Okay. That, that, yeah, for me, that always burns down to... Uh, in most, in most workshops I attended, the teacher had an idea of what he wanted or she wanted to pass. And then mm -hmm. in the end, the time runs out and you don't finish the movement or finish it just then. And then you don't have any time to practice and you whenever do it And again. it's often the case. And it's not necessarily a criticism because sometimes your objective when you're teaching a workshop might be to give as much content as possible, knowing that there will be the opportunity to practice outside. Or it might not be. It might be a movement that's sufficiently complex or new or you want to apply it in particular relationship to the music and in those cases that revision time is essential yeah that makes sense makes sense yeah um, and then just to finish the list so you have a complete idea we also talked about awareness raising how to get people to discover for her and motivation um, and we talked about dancing together how do we um teach people or how do we think we could teach people uh, to dance together and the opposite of that dancing together being um, where you're executing movements but there's not the connection or the dance aspect with our partner I'm sure we can all imagine a dance where everything was great technically good a variety of steps 
but there wasn't much togetherness. And so that session was about how do we bring that into the classroom and, and sensitize people to, to that. Okay, that's cool. And maybe could you mention like one of the meeting has been in Brussels, one in France. Uh -huh. Is are these just these the two countries where most or all the participants came from, or did you had like from how many? Uh, so we had um, the first one. Uh, we had uh, uh, so two Brazilians, one living in France and one temporarily living in the Netherlands. Myself and Emily, and someone from the Czech Republic. And then this time round, we should have had someone from London, but who got stuck with the snow. And then we had me and Emily, uh, someone else from France, two other people from France. So for now, yes, it's been uh, relatively French-based, but mm -hmm. there's no reason that that should continue. You chose uh, Portuguese as the main language of the meeting. Uh, mm -hmm. Why is that? I mean... Um, so I think basically because Fajor is a Brazilian dance. And... As much as I might be a native English speaker, I feel like it's really, really important that we maintain the connection with Portuguese here in Europe. Because there's so much that in Fahok comes through the language and it comes through a filter that can be translated, but it's it's difficult to. Um, and if we can imagine that here in Europe, you might have people from Brazil living in Germany, in London, in France, in Spain, they're all to learn a different language they're going to learn the local language and so portuguese is and i hope will continue to be the the common language of for um for a relatively long time to come mm -hmm. yeah like this podcast for Does example is <laughs> this podcast for example is made in english specifically because there is a lot of information in portuguese already and a lot of people can't access mm -hmm. it because they don't have the capability of speaking portuguese i mean i i totally get where, where uh, what, what your reasons are for choosing mm -hmm. portuguese but maybe well there's that's that has been the decision for those two meetings now maybe in the future there is a possibility or you can think about or we can think about doing a meeting as well specifically for people who can't access of course. other information or maybe split this with a little bit the sessions if someone is there feeling uncomfortable in leading a session in portuguese maybe there could be one session in another language or something like that because accessibility yeah, yeah, yeah. is always a big topic in this international context obviously i think it's a really good point and we we have talked about it quite a bit so coincidentally this time uh, everyone that participated also understood french so we had a bit of mix of french in there Uh, when was was required but we also put I don't know if you've read the the full description but we said you know translation may be possible but it needs to be the group that provides that translation because if we have one person that's doing it all the time then that prevents that person from participating as fully and like you say it's it's a tough question more and more classes are taught in English um, which is I think probably a good thing you can make all sorts of different arguments But I would differentiate uh, people who are discovering Fahor uh, as dancers and as students, where I think the English aspect is really, really important. And people who are a little bit more involved, involved in the organization, involved in teaching, involved in playing or, or whatever it might be. And there, I think we should value the connection with Portuguese. 
not to the exclusion of other people, because we can always translate, we can always be flexible on those things. But English is so predominant all over the world. And when we have one language, and here I get a little bit geeky because I'm also a, um, a linguist uh, by training. But when we have one language through which we see the world, we lose the nuances and we lose the, um, the different perspectives that different languages give us. Um, and so for us, it was really important to maintain that, that Portuguese connection. But who knows? In the future, that might evolve. That might become more flexible. Um, we're definitely not um, stuck on that uh, as, a, as a fixed point. Mm -hmm. I just thought about if we think about doing something in, in Freiburg, uh, mm -hmm. half of the people teaching here are not really comfortable in Portuguese. So, In which case it would make great sense to, to translate it, to do it in English, to do it in German. Uh, Why not? Yeah, yeah. Have you, ah, as well, like you could split up sessions as well, maybe in some cases. Yeah. Um, okay, so you already had the two meetings. It's basically mm -hmm. initiative of uh, you and Emily. You had it on your uh, both local basis. What about uh, the plans for the future? Like, have you ah, been? What comes next? <laughs> <laughs> have you been evaluating now your second meeting already, which just a week? It was just a week ago, basically. Yeah. Um, so we've we've always always you know in the two sessions that we've done so far we've always included uh, a period uh, within the weekend for evaluation, and then uh, we've also already started uh, evaluating it separately, me and Emily, and thinking about what will come next. So we've all agreed uh, that we'd like to do uh, a third edition, and we're. We were discussing whether it would be within about six months time, like we've done now. So the first one was August and then we did it in March or whether we'd allow, allow a bit more time to go past. Because we've also said that we've had a lot of very enriching content in those two sessions and that it might also be useful to have some time to absorb that content and really put it into practice in our classes um, before we move on and we, we start to look for more. So we're discussing that at the moment. We don't have a, um, a specific position. We're going to see how, how that evolves. And there's no reason why the next edition will necessarily be in Brussels or Marseille. So when we launched the, the idea, Emily and I felt quite strongly that it's not a project that belongs to us. Okay, we we really want it to be a, a source of, of ideas and um um, inspiration for for the Foho community in general and we believe that it's a lot about sharing you know no one owns the truth no one has the right answer so it's about about sharing that that knowledge together and so we said that there's no reason why we have to keep being in charge of the organization but what we would like is that you know the future meetings the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth and however many there might be to come um, be organized by someone who's already participated because we feel really quite attached to the to the values that we put in place and and those values might evolve they're again they're not fixed but the idea that it's open to all teachers that the participants are active and they contribute to the sessions uh, that it's not for profit uh, and so on they're important for us and so the idea would be that anyone who's already participated in one of the encontros could volunteer to organize the third one. 
um, and probably uh, with uh, someone else. So, for example, I could do the next one not with Emily, but with someone living in a different city. And maybe we'd organize it in that city. So it's not it's not our personal project that only belongs to us. Um, but if it's done in this context, then we'd like it to to respect the values and to continue with the same attitude as as we've started it. And um, just one other thing regarding the schedule, how many mm -hmm. like working sessions you had throughout the weekend? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we got distracted when we started talking about the schedule. Yeah, <laughs> We had so this time, we were supposed to have five, but then we reduced it to four sessions. So one by each participant. And then um, we were very lucky, actually. Uh, one of Emily's uh, students in Marseille is actually um, a body percussion uh, teacher himself. Uh, and a pedagogue with a huge, huge amount of experience. So because we had this gap, we invited him to come and share uh, some of his knowledge with us. And he actually took us through a, a body percussion session uh, with a, a bigger group. And then we saw him separately, just as participants and, and him, where he kind of broke down his session and he explained what the objective of each part was. So, you know, this part was about making people feel comfortable, was about creating connection between the participants. This was about practicing our listening skills and and so on. And it was really fascinating to, to go through that with him. So that was our fifth session. We always have a period uh, for evaluation. We have always had until now um, a brief 20, 30 minute starter session in the morning that one of the participants leads to get us moving, to get us thinking, to get us woken up a little bit. And this time and last time, we've had a session which we've called the post-it note session, as preguntas post-its, the post-it questions. And this was basically where uh, throughout the weekend, any time that we had a question that came up or a, a thought, a comment, an observation, which didn't fit into the session which was currently going on, Then we put it on a post-it and put it to one side. And then at the end of the weekend, we took the time to go back through those questions uh, and to answer as many of them uh, as we can uh, before we, we leave and say goodbye to each other at the end of the weekend. And that was really interesting because some very different, diverse questions came out of that, um, which enabled us to broaden even further the scope of the things that we talked about um, during the weekend. So... Yeah, I guess we had four sessions led by participants, one session on body percussion, uh, the post-it notes, which is six, plus the starter activities, which are short, so eight, and then nine with the evaluation. So nine different sessions. Okay, so you basically start the first sessions on Friday and then Saturday during the day and Sunday during the day. And in the evening exactly. you did something else? You went eating yeah. or what did you do? Yeah, so in the evening... Um, It's a little bit of, of coincidence, depending on what's available in the cities. Um, we had a little bit of Fohor both weekends. So both here in Brussels, there was an event uh, by chance, not one of mine. And in Marseille, there was one as well. Then one night we just had dinner together, very relaxed. Um, I can't think what else we've done. We had dinner together. Oh, we went out for dinner, we stayed in for dinner, and we went to the to the Fohor. So the evenings are very relaxed and um, the daytimes are very intense, so we really felt that we needed those those evening sessions to kind of breathe a little bit and and absorb everything that we'd seen during the day. 
And you managed to not talk about the pedagogy at night? Yes, <laughs> more or less. <laughs> yeah, you never can totally fade it out, right? <laughs> exactly. There's always a little bit present just for... Um, <laughs> just for fun's sake yeah and i mean if it's just coming out of a relaxed atmosphere that's as well a good thing i guess very much so and it's different from the from the daytime sessions where you know it's very very intense and we're very concentrated on on what we're doing the evening is is much more relaxed even if we do talk a little bit of of far okay so um, I think my questions are run out. So we've, okay. we've heard that you are uh, thinking about maybe doing a, a third one. Uh, probably is it going to be a third one. It might take Definitely. some time. And, a third one. and then the question is just when and where. <laughs> when and where and organized by whom. And yeah, uh, if you have, do you have anything to share which I did not, which we didn't touch so far now in this conversation? Ooh. Um, anything else that I'd like to share? Well, I think just to, to emphasize um, to what extent this has um, contributed to us, um, at least I can speak for myself personally, and I, and I think for all the other participants as well, it's been a great way um, to um, improve, to improve as a teacher, quite simply. Um, when you have time away, uh, out of the busy rush, rush of a festival, and out of the the day to day life of of teaching and and balancing all the other activities that we do, it's really been a, a source for me of ideas and new reflections. And we should never underestimate the the power of thinking about things together. Um, we say um, two heads are better than one, and in this case, four heads and five heads were definitely much better than one. And from talking to people, I was really able to to take things for my own practice, to make connections that maybe I hadn't connected before. And I've only been back one week from Marseille, um, but I can already feel the different ways that I'm I'm taking what I've seen and and learned and applying it into my classes. Um, and I hope making my my classes better um, as a result of that. So. I would recommend this kind of exchange to, to everyone uh, who's involved in teaching in any way, whether it's for her or, or something else. Um, and also to uh, maybe if I can just mention that, you know, the, the question that you raised earlier on of, you know, the teachers that have been trained in Brazil and the teachers that are supporting their local communities, I think it's all necessary and we, we shouldn't put up barriers between Uh, those groups or try to categorize people um, because everyone's doing their something to contribute to the to the well-being of Foho and the growth of Foho uh, for the future but I have really felt the benefit of of these meetings for um, bringing a, a more I hate I hesitate to use the word professional because there's a judgment involved in that which I don't want to bring But I'm not sure what the alternative word would be. Maybe seriousness, uh, bringing a, a seriousness and a, a professional approach um, to the world of dance, which is often viewed as uh, a hobby. And yes, we're in this because we love Foho and uh, it started out as a hobby for, for lots of us. But equally, um, I love my job as a Foho teacher and I want to get better and better at doing it. 
And these meetings are a, a way of meeting people who have the same objective and, and sharing ideas and, and growing together. So anyone that's that's thinking about participating or arranging something similar in their local community, um, I would say re really go for it. Um, it's so enriching and you can learn so much from from these experiences. Cool. One thing, one more thing uh, came up for me. It doesn't, mm -hmm. like maybe it's more... Uh, Uh, an understanding than a question but I guess mm -hmm. it doesn't make too much sense to document a hell of a lot what you have done because it's really necessary to participate in the sessions I mean there there is no like public protocol or minutes you give out from this uh, pedagogy meeting who wants to know what's going on can listen to this podcast and come to the next <laughs> meeting right yeah so we we talked a lot about this because we wanted to to have some sort of record of of the topics discussed and the ideas and the content which came out of it. But as you say, we all want to be there participating fully in the, in the session. So we found a kind of compromise. Um, we did it for the first one and I think we've improved it for the second one. So in the second one, um, we had, as well as the leader of each session, we had one person who was responsible for taking notes in the session. So they were still able to participate. We didn't ask for a, a very detailed set of notes, but they were the one that was noting down the key points, uh, the general questions, the general answers. Uh, and that we'll publish. We published it for the first uh, Encuentro on Facebook and we'll publish it now in a week or two, I suspect, for the second one. So for anyone that didn't participate and would like to have a look, then you can definitely uh, check out the documents. It's a Google Drive uh, link that we share. And obviously, without participating, there will be things that are, are not so easy to follow. But I think it will already give an idea of what we talked about, some of the content. Uh, and if people have questions, I'd be super happy to, to discuss them and, and uh, to go through the, the content with them. So it was important for us that there was this possibility to share, but we didn't want it to jeopardize the participation of the people uh, in the meeting. So the, the recording was a... Was a secondary objective but nonetheless one that we felt was quite important yeah i guess it's as well for the self-documentation that you remember in three years what you actually did in the first two encounters it's quite important to have this notes. Exactly. and so i hope we can share like i'm going to post this podcast on our website for us in freiburg dot uh, mm -hmm. de and uh, maybe we can share the link to the first document there and put the second one as soon as it's ready and you got an email address as well where you where people could write um, possible Definitely, questions yes. or something in punto at so we're exactly. going to put that as well on our website thanks a lot for sharing your experience with this amazing project and thanks for all you give in to Fohan and try to improve the Fohan in Europe thank you and thank you for, for making this possible for us we're, we're always very happy if we can talk about it to, to more and more people so thank you for making that possible <laughs>